are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. You know, years ago, Annette and I moved to Columbia, Tennessee. Columbia is about an hour south of Nashville. And we were there for a couple of years, and I became really troubled in my heart and my spirit that we just weren't seeing people's lives changed by the power of God. In the church that I had pastored previously, I'd only been there three years, but there were just lots of stories about people who had come to know Jesus. And they were standing up in church on Sunday morning, reading their testimony, talking about how they had come to know this great, deep sense of peace, and how their lives had never been like they are now, and how they were filled with joy, and what it was like to be forgiven, and just to feel this sense of rightness with God. But my heart was just growing more and more concerned. And I remember after a couple of years, we went on vacation with another family that we had known in college. So one day, the guy and I, we were playing golf that we'd gone on vacation with. He wasn't a pastor, but he loved to talk church. And he just said to me, I've never been in a church in all my life where people were just coming to know Jesus on a regular basis. I've never experienced that. In fact, he said, very few times in my Churches that I've attended all my life, have I really ever really known stories of people who, who were born again, drastically changed by the gospel? He said, I hear about it in churches everywhere else. Why not our church? I remember coming home for that vacation even more concerned and more heavy. And I can't really tell you what happened. All I know is that God began to do something in a powerful way. I wish I could tell you that I came up with a plan or an idea or I began to preach differently. None of those things would be true. God began to move in a way that I've never experienced in my life. And for those next six years, I witnessed God empowering that congregation of believers to share Jesus like I've never witnessed before. At the end of that year, there were 22 people who had come to know Jesus. At the end of the next year, there were over 30. At the end of the next year, there were over 50. It was absolutely amazing. It began to spread like a wildfire. You couldn't contain it. You couldn't keep up with it. We were asking ourselves, how do you disciple this many new believers in the faith? See, sometimes I think... That it's easier for you and I to say, I'm just trying to survive this world, you know. As a Christian, it often seems like we're swimming against the current. We don't quite fit in. We're not quite like everybody else. The world doesn't do a good job of tolerating us sometimes. And I'm I'm just trying to get through. I'm just trying to survive. If I can just... Hang on and live this Christian life until I die. There's a better world waiting for me. The problem is, with that kind of thinking, we were not called to survive this world. Our calling is not to survive this world, but to change the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. I was expecting a little more on that one, but I'll take what I got, you know. But it's true. It was never about you and me somehow making it through. In the heart of Jesus, it was always about, I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to empower your conversation about Jesus. 
And the world is going to change. Dwight L. Moody was somewhat of a famous evangelist, publisher. He was born in the 1830s. He said in 1874, when he was 34 years old, he was in New York City. He said, I was there to raise money because the Chicago fire had burned some of our buildings, and I was trying to raise money to replace them. But every day, he said, I was praying that God would fill me with His Spirit. Every day. I was praying all the time, God, fill me with Your Spirit. There was something missing, something lacking in my life and in my ministry. And every day I was praying, God, please fill me with Your Spirit. And he said, while I was there... In New York City one day, what a day, he said, I can't hardly describe it. I don't speak of it often because it seems too sacred an experience. But God revealed himself to me, and I experienced his love in such a way. And Moody says, after that experience, I went back to preaching. And I wasn't preaching new sermons, and I had no new truths to share. But I can tell you that after that, hundreds of people came to know Jesus when I would preach. Something changed. And he said, I would not go back to the way I was before were you to offer me the whole world. On this Pentecost Sunday, we celebrate that day when Jewish pilgrims traveled to Jerusalem to celebrate the Jewish festival of Pentecost. But it was while many Jerusalems were in Jerusalem that day that God fulfilled His promise to pour out on His church, the believers in Jesus, the gift He promised of the Holy Spirit. And something changed. They were empowered in their conversation about Jesus like they had not been before. 3,000 people were added to the number of Jesus' followers that day. After Peter talked to them about who Jesus really is. In the book of Acts you read Jesus' words saying, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised to give you. John baptized you with water. But in a few days you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 8 Jesus says, And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power and you'll become what? Witnesses. Your conversation with others about who Jesus is will be empowered. Something will change. It will be different. I, I, I know I'm saying it a lot of ways. What I really want to say is what I'm going to read to you in the Scripture in a minute. God has given us the Holy Spirit who will partner with us, who will empower us, who will come along beside us as we share Jesus with others. And our conversation then about Jesus won't simply be a conversation, but it will be an empowered conversation. So let me take you right to those words, okay? Go with me to John, would you? The Gospel of John, chapter 15. I want to start reading with verse 26. Are you feeling hungry in your spirit right now? Are you feeling like in your heart, there's, there's more to this I know? There's more to the life that I'm living than I'm getting? God has more to me than I'm, God has more for me than I'm experiencing. I have a hunger, I have something inside of me that says, God, I just want more of what you want for me. So here's what, here's what Jesus says, okay? When the advocate, it's, it's, it's an interesting word. It, it would be a word that you might use in a courtroom setting. One who will testify on your behalf. 
one who will come along beside you in that moment. When the advocate comes, now he's been talking about the fact that the Spirit is coming, and so here he uses the word advocate, whom I will send to you from the Father. Remember, it's a gift from the Father. The Spirit of truth, he calls him here, who goes out from the Father. Make no mistake, this is God's gift to his church. He will testify about me, about Jesus. In other words, he's going he's to testify, he's going to talk about who Jesus really is. And then he says, and you also must testify. Because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, Jesus, why are you talking about the fact that the Father is going to give this gift of the Spirit? Well, he says, all of this I've told you so that you will not fall away. Well, why would we fall away? They're going to put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. So I've told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because, well, I've been with you. But now I'm going away. I'm going to him who sent me. None of you ask, where are you going? Rather, you're filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong or in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. What do you mean by that? Well, about sin because people do not believe in me. In, in other words, they've rejected me. They've chosen their own way. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father. The Father has made the verdict really clear where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. He judged Jesus falsely and now he has been judged. I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. I love this. And he will speak. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is for me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And all that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the spirit will not receive from me. Or rather, will receive from me what he will make known to you. Boy, I give thanks today for God's word to us. I, I've got to wonder on days like this if there's maybe somebody saying, Rick, you know, um, I don't know. Sometimes when I when I come to church on Sundays like this, I, uh, I hear you up there, you're all, you're all excited, you're talking about the Holy Spirit, and uh, I don't know, there's been times when I've been maybe watching television and I flip by a religious show and they're really excited about the Holy Spirit, a lot of their language is about the Spirit, they're, they're doing things I can't really maybe understand, um, 
It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't align with my experience. Um, maybe I, um, I get around certain people who say things and I, I don't fully relate to what they're saying about the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm not saying that I'm skeptical of all language about the Spirit, but I, I found myself backing away sometimes from conversations like these. Sometimes people can get a little, I don't know, weird to me when they have these conversations. So I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus was sent from God. I believe we are saved through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. I'm okay with that. How important is it to me to think about, to study about, to believe in, to lean into, to rely on, to pray to be filled with God's Holy Spirit? So I think in asking that question, we go to Jesus and we say, Jesus, why do you want to talk about the Holy Spirit? And Jesus says, well, to the disciples in John 15, the reason I want to talk to you about this gift that the Father is going to give you is because I'm going away. And I don't want you to fall away. Now, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm going to be thinking before Jesus says the next sentence, well, why would you be concerned about me falling away? And Jesus makes it really clear to his disciples. Following Jesus and telling others about Jesus just may very well come at a cost. And he gives two examples. I realize when I say something like this, and I'm just reiterating the words of Jesus, that that this is not exciting for any of us to hear. Well, I didn't follow Jesus for a cost. I came to follow Jesus so my life would get better, more joyful, peace. I mean, I, I want life to be good. I, I don't, what, what, what do you mean that following Jesus and, and, and sharing this great stuff that I've come to know with other people, what, why would it come at a cost? And Jesus gives two examples. He says, well, number one, they might, they might kick you out of the synagogue. And the fact is that in John 9, 22, it was already happening. You might remember when the guy was healed that was born blind. And it says that the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders, um, already decided anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. So all my life, I've been a person who has loved God and loved to worship. And my worship is so important. And you're telling me I love to come to Jerusalem for the festivals. You're telling me that I can't go to church anymore? And then the second thing he says is it, 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 it may come to a place that somebody would, would, would take your life murder you, believing that they were offering a service to God. Now what happens in the next 300 years of the church? Great persecution. 
Many people lost their lives because of their faith in Jesus. And after Constantine becomes emperor and a Christian, that of course cools off, but we live in a world today where it has never fully stopped, and in parts of our world today, people are still suffering physically and in many other ways because of their faith in Jesus. The church is still being persecuted today. In fact, if you go to the previous paragraphs, Jesus says, you understand, they've rejected me. (laughs) And when you go to them, they're going to reject you. Not only he says, do they not like me, but they're not going to like you. And he uses the word, they hate me, they'll hate you, they'll persecute you. But you know what? That's not what it's about. What it's about is the fact that we are on a mission from God. And we have been called to share this great gospel of Jesus Christ with the world. And He is going to give us His Holy Spirit who is going to empower our conversation. And we are not alone. His Spirit will come alongside you. So you may say, Rick, what, what should I do? What, what, what should I do? Because I think, well, I'm going to sit down, okay? Because I think that maybe you feel it at times. Because I personally feel it at times. Uh, I live in a world where I sometimes think the world seems to be tolerant of almost every point of view imaginable to man except Christianity. You ever feel it? Yeah. I feel like I live in a society that has changed in my lifetime drastically. Any, any point of view that you want to share, sure, we're open to hear whatever you think. Unless it's a Christian view. We're not open to that view. And and sometimes I I just live with a bit of angst inside of me saying, so where's this thing going? And I've lived in this nation all my life, and I've known that other nations is nothing like this. Will we always have this kind of freedom? And Jesus kind of says, it's not about that. (laughs) Stick to your mission. I've called you to share this good news with the world. And in your conversation, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit who will empower you. And you're never going to be alone. And so I think what we do, you and me, is we pray. We pray to be filled with the Spirit who will come alongside us, empower us, guide us, and speak to us. That's what I find in these remaining verses. What what you and I do is we just pray, Lord, fill me with your Spirit who will come along beside me and empower me and guide me and speak to me. That's what I give the rest of my life to. I want to show you some words by a guy named John Wesley. I was going through some notes this week, and he says, I believe in the infinite and eternal Spirit of God, equal with the Father and the Son, to not only perfectly be perfectly holy, rather, himself, 
but the immediate cause of all holiness in us. What, what do you mean, John Wesley? What, what is the Spirit doing in us? Enlightening our understanding. Rectifying our wills and affections. Renewing our natures. Uniting our persons to Christ. Assuring us of the adoption of sons. Leading us in our actions. Purifying and sanctifying our souls and bodies to a full and eternal enjoyment of God. So, Jesus says, the Spirit's going to do all those things. He's going to come along beside you and He's going to testify with you about who Jesus is. He's going to empower your testimony. He's going to guide you. Do you know that Annette and I um, have not called anybody in years and said, can you tell us how to get to your house? Years. Used to, we would be on the phone. You know, used to, we would drag that phone cord across the kitchen so I could get a pencil and paper and I would write down the directions to their house. Okay, tell me again. Second, second right, turn at the second road, okay. It's not marked, all right. Just got to know where I'm going there, okay. And now we don't even consider, we don't consider it until we get in the car and get on the road and then we just touch our phone, that address, and, and we just let it take us right to where we're going. The Spirit will guide you, Jesus says. The Spirit will say, this is a good path for you. The Spirit will say, this is not a good path for you. The Spirit will lead you. I love this. The Spirit will speak to you. Recently, I was reading a man that I'd met years ago. I mentioned him on occasion. His name was Bob Benson. Somehow in my devotional time, God seems to speak to me through him. And Bob Benson said, you know, I have this statement. It's only a few words, but it's, you know, just the fundamental underlying truth of what my life is about. I can say it in seven words. It's all about what I want to do and be. He says, maybe when I preach, I should just stand up and say the seven words. Just sit down. That's it. But he said, I want to talk about the seven words. You want to know what they are? You sure? Okay, here they are. God has something to say to you. He says, the most important thing in my life is the belief that God is a God who speaks. I want you to look at my eyes right now, and I want you to hear me say this. God has something to say to you. I like the next sentence. And you can hear him if you will listen. God's talking to us today. Through his holy spirit. The Hebrew writer said in the past, God spoke through prophets and in various ways. In these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. Jesus says, I'm going away, but it's okay. The father's going to give you the spirit and he will speak to you. And he will lead you and he will guide you and he will empower your conversation 
with others about Jesus. I got a text this week from a board member who said, I kind of have this longing of us all praying together in this newly renovated sanctuary. And I loved his words because he said at the end of the text, I, I want to experience God in a new and a fresh way. And I just thought, oh, that feels so good to me. I love that, you know. It just, it just moved me. On Tuesday, I shared it with the church board, and I didn't really think about it again. I just thought, God will give us that day sometime, and it just didn't cross my mind until yesterday morning. I was preparing for today, and I just had this vision of prayer rising up out of this room. See, when I think about Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, I think about this, this beautiful sanctuary God's given us. But I think a lot more about the people that God has given us. I think about you, you know. I walk away from conversations with you and I think to myself, these are some of the best people God has anywhere on the face of the earth. They love the Lord. They love people. They want people to come to know Jesus. And he's given us resources. And what if the time for us is soon? That we would experience the Holy Spirit empowering our conversation like we've never quite experienced before. What if we became great witnesses for Jesus? And so I want you to, to stand with me, I guess. If at some point you want to sit back down. I grew up in a church where we used to kneel at our seats. Did you ever do that and pray? So you do whatever you want to do. I would love for many of you to come and gather around the altars and the front seats. And could we just pray that prayer, God, fill us with your spirit? You may say, well, Rick, I, I believe God has filled me with his spirit. Dwight L. Moody said, yeah, but some of us tend to leak. So let's just come and pray together, can we? Let's just pray. Let's pray for a fresh and new. Just come on and pray. Would you come and join me around the altars now? As we all gather in, I'm going to pray for us, but you be praying. We're just going to pray together. Let's just pray and ask God to do something new and fresh in us. Let's think back about that day in the early church when God poured out his spirit on the church. We're not looking for some dust that God sprinkles over us. We're looking for power that will enable us, right? Enable us to do the will of God, to walk in the Spirit. So the rest, just take a posture of prayer, whatever's comfortable for you. Father, I've, I've had a vision in my head of just... Uh, prayer rising out of this room this morning all over this room just prayer rising up to you um, a sense of desperateness um, a sense of need that is great saying God fill us with your spirit today we pray Lord come along beside us Empower our conversation with others about Jesus. Give us a deep desire to reach out to people and live with open arms and to share 
Jesus with others. Guide us throughout our lives. Let us be always hearing your voice. Just ever open ears, listening to what you'd have to say to us. Enabling us, Lord, by the power of your Spirit to always choose, God, your will. Enabling us to walk in the power of the Spirit. Enabling us to make the choices that would honor you. Enabling us to take the paths that your Spirit leads us down. We pray, Lord, for this fresh, for this new touch from you. We live in a world, Lord, that just tries to gain our attention. That is voicing another message. And there are days that we just need to come into your presence. We just need to be with you. Early in the mornings, we need you to remind us of the truth. We need to open your word and hear the truth. We wait, Lord. What more do you want for us, Lord? What do you want for our church? What could we do to receive it? Show us, Lord, how to place ourselves before you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.